This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. Well, just this week, the BC Care Providers Association released a new report called Situation Critical, a made-in-BC plan to address the seniors' care labour shortage. And we've talked about this issue on the program before. And this report came from a day-long dialogue. Uh, That dialogue was called The Perfect Storm. That uh, was talked about back in April. And this uh, newer report takes a look at priority actions, what needs to be done when we look at long-term care and seniors' care in the province. Uh, Daniel Fontaine joins me on the line now. He is the CEO of the BC Care Providers Association. Daniel, thanks for being with us again. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, what is uh, maybe outline for us? Uh, because we've talked about uh, the areas, uh, whether it's a labor shortage uh, and uh, a lack of space for people, the particular type of care people need. Uh, what did this report really shine a light on? Well, this report really talks about uh, the fact that we are facing a, a fairly significant labor shortage when it comes to actually uh, looking to hire people to work within the seniors care sector and. Part of that is based on a couple of things. One is the fact that not only is our population aging, but so too is our workforce. So a lot of people in the next uh, number of years are going to be retiring. So there's a number of vacancies as a result of that. But probably more significantly is that the province of British Columbia, uh, over the last couple of years, in particular in last fall, uh, Minister Dix announced that there's going to be an additional $1 billion invested in seniors care between now and 2021. And that will result and again, another significant number of, of positions open. And by the minister's own uh, accounting, it looks like there'll be another 2,800 new posts uh, opened up in the next uh, three to four years. And, and that means that we simply have to do more than the status quo in order to get people interested, excited, and also applying to to get into the training and actually uh, become a care aide or a, a licensed practical nurse here in BC. Is it difficult, too, because we hear so many stories about worker burnout, about a lack of staff, and that makes the the staff that is already there working longer shifts and making it so it's perhaps not the ideal work environment? Well, it's kind of a cycle, right? You hear, um, I see ads on the TV from various folks uh, who are saying that the conditions aren't great. And, and uh, you know, you hear that stuff and it kind of does feed into the cycle and, and perhaps then fewer people are applying. So, this report has 10 recommendations, and we're not just pointing out the problem. Uh, you know, it's, it's very uh, easy to point out problems. Uh, we actually went uh, further, as you, as you said. We brought about 150 stakeholders from around the province together, and we asked them to help us come up with some solutions. And the report released 10 recommendations, uh, mainly towards the provincial side, but there also are some recommendations for the federal government when it comes to immigration and making it easier for for people to come in here in British Columbia, get trained as a care aide, and then uh, work as a care aide and eventually become a permanent resident. Those recommendations are all contained within the report. Some are relatively easy to employ and, and, and adopt immediately. Others will take a few months, but we're saying that the time for action is now. Uh, we are in the midst of, you know, an aging population and those people who you talk about who are getting burnt out, they need additional staff to begin working within the system immediately. Otherwise, um, they're going to be injured on the job because they're working too quick and perhaps aren't following the, the best practice when it comes to how to lift people. Um, and, and Jill, I don't know if you know this, but there are currently 450 full-time equivalent positions of people who are injured and off the job. And a lot of that can be attributed to, to understaffing and, and having not enough bodies in 
the care homes when people are taking care of people. So it's, the report does address that, and we do set out a roadmap to actually, we think, solve the problem. Is there a divide as well in that this is the one area of care where there is a choice between public and private care? Is there a divide in where people are more uh, drawn to to work or, or working for, say, a health authority rather than a private contractor? Um, I would say that perhaps that would have been the case more so in the, in about 10 years ago, but I can tell you this, that the health authorities, when I'm speaking to them, are having a challenge finding care aids. Uh, private long-term providers are nonprofits. This is across the board. This labor shortage, because we have, in my opinion, not done a good enough job in encouraging people to consider both health care and seniors care as a career, um, the whole entire sector is impacted. I'm the chair of the Canadian Long-Term Care Association. And so as a result of that, I see the data from coast to coast. I talk with my colleagues in Prince Edward Island, in Ontario, in Manitoba. They're all experiencing the same problem. And part of it is, as, as we indicated in the report, we're not doing enough to help educate people, especially our younger population, about the wonderful and vast amounts of careers there are in healthcare and seniors care. We're talking a lot about high-tech film. I hear a lot about the digital economy constantly on the news and, and in what I read, but we do not hear about seniors care and, and it's the fastest growing sector of our economy, the fastest growing component of our community, and yet it doesn't get that attention. So this report, we're hoping, will highlight that. Uh, one of the recommendations as well, the 10th one, is about renaming. Is that an issue as far as, or do you think something like that, which doesn't seem like that, that big of, a, of an obstacle, would renaming the jobs to better reflect what people do, do you think that would help? Well, that's a good example, Jill, because that one doesn't cost anything. So that one is actually completely cost-free. But yet, when we when we gathered uh, and met at the Continuing Care Collaborative earlier this year, that was one of the recommendations that we heard because the ner- the name nursing and not having it in the position, it's currently called like a healthcare assistant or a healthcare aide, having that name change, uh, uh, we believe, based on the feedback we received, would help to further increase and attract uh, people who are coming in particular from from outside of Canada who are looking to get trained and would like to perhaps start as like let's say a nurse's aide and then maybe move up to a licensed practical nurse calling it a healthcare assistant actually uh, reduces the number of people who are interested in applying in that position so as a result they bypass that job they move right to licensed practical nurse and that helps to further uh, make the shortage more acute so it's a simple thing to do uh, we we think they're is a, an opportunity there for the province to, to relook at that naming. And uh, that could be something as simple as the name change could actually help increase the number of people in the sector. Uh, with other uh, things as well, the recommendations, whether it's um, barriers for international students, uh, loan forgiveness and such, if those things were addressed, are there enough spaces available for people that even if all the spaces are filled, we're still graduating and producing enough workers to fill the positions? Well, the interesting thing is, Jill, if you surveyed, uh, and you should have them on your show, if you surveyed the the, the private colleges throughout the province, uh, whether it's in Kelowna or in Kamloops or in the lower mainland or on the island, they will tell you that the healthcare aid programs that they run are currently not full. In fact, many of them are, are either half empty or they're at the threat of being closed because there aren't enough applicants to come into these programs. So, we actually have the capacity for training. We actually have the ability tomorrow to begin recruiting and bringing people in. But as noted in the report, oftentimes the, there's, there are a number of barriers that prevent people from going into that program. 
And one of them is the fact that uh, the program costs money. It's a six to eight month program. It can cost over $10,000. And if you're working in retail uh, as a barista and you're thinking about coming into healthcare, that can be a barrier for you to come in. So we've identified that. We currently have lots of extra capacity in the system. I'm not worried that if we were to employ these programs or if government were to make a commitment to assist younger people who are working in retail who want to move into healthcare, I'm very confident we would have those positions filled up in no time. And the people that came together for the the full day for from various parts of the province, is there a difference as well in that we often talk about doctors and such being being difficult to uh, hire them and to retain mm-hmm. them in rural areas? Is it the same for healthcare workers? Absolutely. And the report does highlight that. We talk about um, things like being able to have relocation assistance and also being able to um, get professionals trained where they are. We, we heard from some First Nations communities who say that, you know, the training, accessing that training and having to leave the First Nation community and going to larger urban centres like Kelowna or Vancouver or Victoria is not always practical. It's not something that, that they want to do. So they're encouraging us to have more things like online training and satellite training centres, uh, being able to encourage people to perhaps leave a more costly uh, Metro Vancouver and look at opportunities to, to uh, establish careers in smaller centres where the cost of living is a lot lower. Those problems that we've heard a lot about for nurses and doctors in terms of relocation are absolutely as critical now for healthcare aides in the province of BC. And what about, you talk a bit about the injury rate and the positions that are now empty because people are off on, on, on after being injured. What mm-hmm. about the, the people who need the care, though? One would think that if there's a shortage of workers, they're not getting the care they need either. No, we've identified that. And in fact, uh, a number of years ago, four years ago, it was so serious that um, as, as employers, we got together and, and worked in partnership with WorkSafe BC, and we created an organization, a nonprofit society called Safe Care BC. And that uh, is funded by the employers, uh, and the, all the funding to the Safe Care BC goes into training and prevention so that people actually who are working in seniors care are not injured on the job. And I'm very, very pleased to report that four years into Safe Care BC, the trajectory rate, which was showing uh, more workers being injured on the job uh, within seniors care, has not only flatlined, we're now starting to see that decline. And so there are solutions if you, you put your money where your mouth is, you put a concerted effort on that. But the reason we're doing that is because there are seniors in care homes and seniors at home receiving home care who will not receive that care if we do not have the staff. We're a very labor-intensive uh, organization. We we require people to require care for people. And if we don't have those people, you know, it's it's a challenge for them to be able to provide the service. And I think the report touches on this, and we've talked about this in the past too. If you only look at it from a cost perspective, it is so much more cost effective to have people in long-term care rather than in hospital beds waiting for care where it is far more expensive and not ideal for anybody to have people in these beds. Well, this is part of the the business case for all of this. Is We know from research that it can cost up to about $1,800 per day when a senior is in an acute care setting. And we know that when they're in a long-term care setting in the community, that can drop way down to about $200 per day. And if they're receiving home care uh, within their single-family home condominium, that drops down to about $50 a day. So we know there's an excellent business case to make sure that the care is available in community uh, through long-term care and through home care because that uh, not only saves money, 
It reduces the pressure on hospitals when they're looking to do things like knee surgeries or hip surgeries or uh, attending to someone who's had a stroke. The beds are then available within the hospital for that type of care. So we know we have to expand the system and uh, the minister and the, the government of British Columbia is making that commitment. We are looking to expand but uh, it, absolutely, there is a business case to be made to make those investments within seniors care today. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.